Hi, you're listening to the Road to a Billion podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Georgi. Since 2011, I've sold over $700 million worth of products for both clients and my own companies. I've also founded or co-founded eight different businesses that have grossed between seven to nine figures in revenue. Today, I focus a lot of my time on teaching, training, and mentoring the next generation of freelancers and entrepreneurs. And that's why I created The Road to a Billion, a call-in radio show style podcast where I answer people's questions on mindset, business ownership, scaling funnels, copywriting, and more. If you want to submit a question, then check out the show notes to learn how, or visit me at stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe to opt into my email list. And every week, you'll get a link to join the live call-in show. And with that being said, let's go ahead and get started. Hey, podcast listeners. In today's episode, you're going to learn two killer approaches to find the unique mechanism for your copy, the secret to writing high-converting Facebook ads that are compliant and easily approved, and the main metrics you should be looking at to truly assess your copy's performance. Enjoy. All right, so let's get to the first question. First up, we have Kimmy Du. Kimmy says, I did research by looking at five-star and one-star reviews on Amazon. How do I do effective research and narrow down to the best unique mechanism? And is it okay to have more than one mechanism? Cool. Hey, Kimmy, how are you? Hi, Stefan. Great. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, So, okay, awesome on the research. And then regarding the mechanism stuff, you're kind of, you're just curious about where to find the, the best mechanism. Is that kind of part one? Yeah, the best place to find it. What, um, are you working in a specific niche or do you work in a variety of niches? Yeah, I'm mainly focusing on the clean beauty niche right now. Okay, cool. Can you, and can you explain what clean beauty is so I uh, fully understand it? Yeah, it's like uh, products that are eco-friendly. They're econ products and uh cruelty free like like cruelty fragrance cool and like face washes and things like that awesome that's fantastic okay cool yeah so for stuff like that you know there's there's two there's there's two approaches you can really take with finding the mechanism and, and real quickly for people who are going to watch this and don't know what a mechanism is or what we're talking about one thing i really teach is unique mechanism behind a problem and behind a solution. So whenever you're selling to somebody, you want to explain the real reason why they haven't been able to resolve a pain point in the past. And you want to be able to explain how your product or service is going to provide a solution when other things have failed uh, previously. So as far as something with like uh, ingredients in it, the two, the two ways you can go down that path would be, if some of the ingredients are kind of well-known, you can sort of start Googling those ingredients and studies. So for example, um, well, actually, let me ask one more question. Are, are these is it more products for like, like makeup or is it more like wrinkles or dark spots or you know, age lines or things like that? Is it more functional or is it more uh, cosmetic? I would say it's more functional. Okay. Like a little bit of anti-aging and like preserving the skin. Okay, cool. Yeah, so some things, that, there's, there's, there's two approaches I, I typically take. For this one is you can go through the ingredients and look at some of the kind of common, actually, well, not common, but um, I guess natural weighty ingredients, ingredients that you know are good. And you can start 
doing searches for that ingredient. And, uh, and then I always add in MCBI after, which is the database for uh, like PubMed and it's like a health database. So if I, for example, just say it has turmeric in it. If I'm like turmeric, skin, MCBI, I'm going to find a bunch of interesting studies about how, you know, turmeric in a topical solution, you know, reduce wrinkles by 27%. And then they don't just go there because these are scientific studies. They'll be like, you know, we think the reason why is because turmeric uh, is anti-inflammatory and targets the NK15 like enzyme that's in your body and that usually causes wrinkles, but turmeric helps to like minimize it. So I'm making up the NK15 thing, but there's if you go through there, you'll kind of hear, you'll find interesting stuff, not just about what the ingredients do, but how they work. And you may even find commonalities or similarities. So say that you know turmeric does that, but collagen also does that. And... Um, elderberry extract does that too. Like, so you can kind of, if you start doing that and going through ingredients and noting studies and you find commonalities, that is the way you can kind of unify it around a unique mechanism. Uh, does that make sense? So is it about like finding commonalities between a lot of good ingredients that are in the product? Yeah, ideally, right? So if you, because again, if you look at, the one thing you'll kind of find is that a lot of times for if a bunch of ingredients help with something, they're all kind of doing the same thing. So whether that's reducing inflammation or promoting the growth of collagen in a skincare product or uh, adding hydration, right? Like hyal- hyaluronic acid adds hydration, collagen adds hydration. So um, you'll generally find that there are commonalities there. So that would be one of the approaches, yeah. Um, if this makes sense. But um, does that make sense, Kimmy? Yeah, super helpful. Okay, cool. But then here's the thing. You can, the other way you can do it is you can also go somewhere like sciencedaily.com, which is a website that I really uh, love. And you can sort of search for specific problems. Like you can search wrinkles or dark spots or anti-aging or skincare. And if you do things like that, you'll generally find, they basically Science Daily takes all of the new findings from the scientific community publishes them all with like good headlines and abstracts and kind of a write up and, and understand easy to understand language that's for the everyday person. Mm-hmm. And so when you do that, you may go through and you may find that there's some study about some newly discovered molecule that is responsible for rapid aging in our face once we hit 50. And if you find that, say you find that again, using an example, I would just take whatever that molecule is, or so say it's called. I'm going to make something completely random up like uh, the PSF molecule, right? Uh, then you can just Google um, like turmeric, PSF, uh, NCBI. And, if you, and what you often find, crazily enough, is that there's all these random studies that will be like, turmeric helps to reduce PSF. So then if you have like studies that say turmeric helps with wrinkles or skincare, and then there's also, you know, say saying that turmeric specifically helps with this PSF thing. Again, I'm just making up random acronyms, but... The point being, if you do that, then suddenly you have like a unique mechanism there. You can be like, oh, the real reason for you know aging skin is one or one of the real reasons is this little known but newly discovered molecule called PSF, and so we need to like target that. And fortunately, here are these natural ingredients that do it. Does that um, does that make sense to you? So it's about connecting like a problem that you find on Science Daily, like a like a unique like a molecule that causes problems and then connecting that back to like a beneficial ingredient in the product. 
Is that what yeah, that's the, that. So yeah, so I'm giving you two approaches. So there was the first one was like find commonalities in the ingredients by looking at studies on them. And then this other option or alternative is, yeah, you find the, the problem first, you find an interesting problem, then you kind of check the ingredients to see if they have been shown to help with the problem. Because what you just end up finding is that for a lot of natural ingredients, they ultimately, it's almost just like a chicken or an egg thing because they're ultimately working in a very common way. Like they're, they're doing the same thing. Like, like again, like everything's anti-inflammatory, right? Like, or they all, a bunch of stuff have antioxidants. And so typically what you'll find is like, no matter, shockingly enough, whatever the thing is, if you like, whatever the, the weird molecule or enzyme or whatever, you'll almost always find that there've been some studies that show that whatever ingredient you have, like that, that several of those ingredients actually target this thing. Um, so that's how you approach it that way. Oh, awesome. And I have one last question. Sure. If you're writing a Facebook ad for one of these products, like would you focus more on the negativity because of the, like the lexicon thing for the Facebook, like, would you focus more on the negativity side or try to be more positive? I would, I would, and I'll let Ed chime in too, because he's our resident Facebook compliance expert, but I would generally try to be more positive simply because Facebook doesn't like negativity and you're going to have more trouble with ads being approved. I think, you know, you can talk about stuff like, you know, um, I was frustrated with my skin. Like I felt like I looked older than my years and that no matter what I tried, I wasn't getting the results that I wanted. Uh, but then I discovered the real one of the real reasons behind the wrinkles that were bothering me. And, um, you know, and it was surprisingly simple to start addressing them and, and enjoy a healthy, beautiful skin. Now I'm sharing it with others, uh, you know, whatever, like click here to see how it works, something like that. So you can kind of talk about a frustrating experience, but I, you know, you don't want to really be like tired of wrinkles and feeling old and ugly, you know, like <laughs> if you do that, like you're going to get in a lot of trouble. Uh, Ed, you want to add anything to that as our, as I said, our resident Facebook uh, compliance expert? Yeah, for sure. One thing that's really, really important is definitely, like Stefan said, keeping it more positive because one thing Facebook really hates is when you make the user feel bad. Mm-hmm. So calling out directly their insecurities, problems, things they may have faced in the past that didn't work potentially even, mm-hmm. and yeah. directly saying like, you know, maybe you tried X, Y, Z and it didn't work because then somebody will go, oh, well, how does Facebook know about me? Are they selling my data? And because of the Cambridge Analytica scam in 2018 or scandal, uh, they don't want people feeling like that. So like Stephen said, just be sure to keep it more positive and focus more on uh, third party or neutral statements. So instead of, you know, or, or uh, first person statements. So it would be, I, like Stephen said, I didn't like my skin or most people, you know, or most, most women who, you know, are moms or whatever, have a hard time looking in the mirror and feeling beautiful because, you know, of their kids, stretch marks, whatever. You can get away with a lot more if you make it about other people or a third party, or it's a neutral statement instead of saying you. Okay. So instead of saying you talk more about like, me like what happened to me or what happened to most people like most people blah 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 yeah exactly like you you know the ad that i wrote where it's like one of the greatest struggles in today's world is being stuck in a dead-end job most people writing on facebook would just put oh hate your job right but you have to make it third party or neutral ah got it 
So, so don't directly call out people. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Precisely. Okay. Thank you so much, Ed. Thank awesome. you, Stephen. Yeah. My thank pleasure, Kimmy. Thanks, Kimmy. All right. We got one last question for today from my buddy, Jazz Courtenay. He says, I just sent my first email to a list yesterday. got my first 30 sales for a client. Good job, Jazz. Nice, Jazz. They're letting me see the data and I'm still new to interpreting it. Are there any metrics that are important to track what to keep doing and stop doing besides revenue? I'm seeing the percent who added to cart, percent who reached checkout, percent who converted, and a Google Doc with a list of people who ordered and their card value. Cool. What's up, Jazz? You want to add anything to that? Yeah, I'm, I'm totally new to interpreting this and I just want to know what to look at to, to, because I want to constantly improve with the email. I want to keep on getting better and I don't really know what numbers to look at to, to get that feedback. Okay, perfect. And the email, um, was this for, okay, so 30 sales for a client. So what was the, uh, what, what's the client selling? He sells beard products. Beard. Yeah. Okay, cool. I, think, I was like, beer, beer or beard? I'm like, beer, send me the domain. Beard, <laughs> also cool. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, sweet. So the data you're getting, percentage of add to cart. Do you know, do you have data on the actual email itself? Like the open rate, click-through rate, stuff like that? Yeah, I can get that because the first email I sent, like I... I even added. I even asked Ed the other day because I, I don't even know what's a good open rate and what's not. But the, the first email apparently has a really good open rate. It was twenty five percent. But yeah. he's showing me our. He, he can get all those numbers for me. I just don't even know what numbers to ask for. Right. So yeah. So I'm at, I'm, I'm going to ask ones that I would be wanting to know because like so I'd want to know. Yeah, on the emails like the open rate and then the click through rate and then I'd want to know kind of what the average is. Right. So like, is that like better than average, aligned with average, is it worse than average? Because if it was, um, you know, I want to, did the email perform really well uh, or not? Because I also want to know too, like say the open rate is amazing. Like, oh my gosh, it was like a 35% open rate, but the click-through rate is 1% and normally it's 5%. That means that your subject line was great, but your copy in the email was not great or it wasn't congruent with the subject line or something like that. Um, The percentage who added to cart is good to know because what I'm thinking about there is, is again, I can write an amazing email with an amazing open rate and an amazing click-through rate, but the conversions might be shit. Uh, and the reason why is because there was a discount, right? If I'm like a uh, Donald Trump, like a uh, hidden heart, like tumor discovered. And then I'm like, Donald Trump has a heart tumor. This is a, you know, crazy, like click here to find out like the open rate is going to be huge and the click-through rate is going to be huge. But then if my product's like, are you tired of a dry beard? right? Like nobody's going to buy. Everyone's going to be like F you and, you know, spam and my conversion rate will suck. So, um, that's the kind of the, the mentality with the email. Uh, so knowing, yeah, percent the ads to cart, who reached checkout, who converted, those are all good. I think of those, the conversion metric is probably the most important because you didn't write, did you write the sales page too? Or did you just write the email? They, they have a basic landing page that they kind of just sourced from an email I wrote for them yesterday. They didn't have anything before. So they have a basic landing page it goes to, and then it goes to the, the checkout page. Cool. Do you know what, what percentage converted? Yeah, I do. So yesterday, uh, 12, 12.34% added to cart 
8.44% reached checkout and 4.87% converted. Okay, that's a good conversion rate though. What what um and what was the the average order value, average cart value? Uh 9997. $9.97. So, is it is the offer a like a free trial or is it a um like a you'll get a starter kit for 997 or free plus shipping or what's what's the actual offer? Oh, Stefan, did we lose you? Yeah. Oh, am I here now or am I gone? Oh, uh, you're back. Welcome okay. back. Okay. Okay. Sorry. So, um, so the conversion rate's good. Um, but well, nine ninety seven though. So, what um, what is the actual offer? Is it like a free plus shipping or a free trial or? It's free plus shipping. Okay. Four point four seven. So in that case, the conversion rate could probably be higher, but that's not really your fault because you just they threw up a landing page really fast. Um, I'd be looking at. Are you more interested? You're more interested in the email performance or like the total funnel performance? Like realistically, what was kind of the part? Because you wrote the email, so you have more control over that. Is that what you're? Are you more interested in that part, or what are you thinking? Uh, the overall funnel performance, because I can write that too. I just wanted to make more money. Yeah. So knowing the conversion rate is good. Uh, again, knowing that it's a. Are they doing any upsells right now? No upsells. This is just minimal viable. Right. So the things that I'd be doing for them. I mean, I do a, a, a you know, test some, some more landing pages because I think at a 9.97, well, free plus shipping product um, at 4.47%. Well, let me ask one more question. Is the, was the list pretty targeted? Was it like men who like beard-like products or was it like men in general or was it just like people who bought Home and Gardens magazine? Because if it's people who bought Home and Gardens magazine, then 4.47% is like incredible. If it's like dudes who want to have shiny beards, then 4.47% probably underperformed. So do you know what the list was made up of? Yeah. So the list comes from anyone who lands on the website and then they get hit with that, uh, that exit pop-up and they can enter their email. So it kind of got built up over time from that. And also just for people who actually ordered. So it's about 25-ish percent wives who might buy the beard or beard products for their husbands and then 75% guys. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I think there's opportunity there to increase the conversion rate a pretty decent amount. Um, yeah, I think it's fine. 4.47 is not bad, but um, I would look at opportunities there. I would look at, I personally like the metric of earnings per click. So on the email side, I'd want that metric, right? So for if, if they grossed 200 and, or $300, say they grossed, and they're, um, you know, there was... 300 clicks, then it was like a dollar EPC, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Which is like good. I I guess that would be a 10% conversion rate, so it's not accurate. But I'm just trying, you know, but knowing what the earnings per click is is helpful because if I can kind of get that up. Um, And then I would be adding in upsells for sure uh, to get the AOV up more. The big unknown for them is what's the LTV going to be? Because I'm guessing if the free plus shipping, the goal is that they're going to, of course, come back and order more or get on a subscription or whatever. And I don't know if they have that data yet, but that's something you do want to keep, uh, you know, an eye on. Uh, Simon had asked about adding an order bump. What I would say to that is you can, I would totally test that, but I wouldn't make that automatic. Cause what I found is that like right now I would actually probably, yeah, I would still test it and make sure it doesn't hurt conversions, but um, you know, you might as well because there's no upsells. So maybe it's like, Hey, want to get this bundle of, of, premium male facial like wash products for $19.99, like yes. And that'll probably increase AOV by a couple of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you have upsells, sometimes 
you may have a lot of people take that order bump, but then fewer people take the upsells and it affects your overall average order value. Mm. Um, so I, I would be testing it for that reason. But, but I think you've got the right metrics because I'm just looking at you know, how the email performed and then on the funnel, okay, what's the conversion rate? And then what's the average order value and what's the lifetime value? That, those are the main, I wouldn't overcomplicate it. Those are the big things that I'd be looking at right now. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, that's just about it for today. Before we finish though, let me share a little bit more about how you can stay in touch with me. I have a private email list where I share high level tricks, strategies, and insights about copywriting, entrepreneurship, mindset, and more. In fact, often my podcasts are based on topics I first emailed out to my list weeks or even months earlier. So if you want to get brand new stuff from me every single day, go to stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. These emails are often upwards of a thousand words and I send them every day. So make sure you really can commit to engaging with me on that level. But as long as you can, and you should, because I do drop a ton of value in these emails, go apply to join my list today. And again, the web address is stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. And in case you don't know how to spell my name, which is okay, it is S-T-E-F-A-N, Paul, and then my last name is georgi, G-E-O-R-G-I.com. So stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe, and I will see you in my email list.